Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager of the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization with the mission of coaching student athletes to aim for success off the field. Have you heard the news? Orange Arrow is turning 10. Please consider giving a monthly donation of $10 for 10 years of OA at www.orangearrow.org. Make sure to also subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on social media to see how we're celebrating. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Inside the Play Call with Orange Arrow, and I'm your host, Sean Robinson. And today we have a very, very special guest, Amy, Amy Rashlovich. What's up, Amy? How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. So I got to start off. Day. It's, it's a beautiful day. Surprisingly beautiful day, right? In November, you're, you're there in Pittsburgh, so we'll talk more about that. But this is the first. I'm extremely excited. So I have to switch the, the start of the podcast a little differently today because happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. If today's your birthday, happy birthday. Thank you very much. I'm awesome. 51. Beautiful, wonderful. I uh, when we set the the time to record this podcast, I threw a date out there. You was like, "Yeah, that's my birthday." I was like, "Wait, you sure you want to meet on your birthday?" You was like, "Yeah, let's do it." <laughs> so uh, this is a first. Like I said, that uh, I get to interview somebody on their very special day. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, Amy, you know the importance of warming up and stretching, and so I have a few warm up questions for you. You ready? think so <laughs> all right here we go all right if you're going to listen to one musical artist for 30 days straight their entire catalog who are you choosing no i think it'd be mavis staples the staples singer oh i like it this point i like yeah. it that's strong that's strong i've been listening to her more and more and really liking it you should play it for uh, for your birthday you should play her. That's a good idea. You, you definitely should. Definitely you definitely will. should. Now, what is your favorite TV show of all time? If you're going to listen, if you go, well, we asked the music question, but now we're going to the TV question. Favorite TV show of all time. If it came on today, you'll sit down and watch it. I got to tell you a secret. So, um, when my kids were four and seven, they're now seventeen and twenty. We lived in the Netherlands for like three years. Kids went to school, everybody spoke English. Husband went to work, everybody spoke English. No one in my life at that point <laughs> until they got home spoke English. So every day I would watch one episode of NCIS from the beginning because then I could hear an American accent <laughs> and I knew there were enough seasons. And some days if the days were bad, it'd be two episodes or three. And you couldn't really stream. So somehow I was streaming from some Asian, I'm sure it was pirated stuff, whatever. Right. <laughs> but all the way through, it's like 18 seasons, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. I love it. Last one more question. Now, if you could select any superpower, lying, oh. whatever the case may be, what superpower would you select? You know, I want to say the ability to read people's minds, but that kind of scares me. Mm. 
So I'll say invisibility because then I can hear what they're saying and do it when I choose to. I like it. I like it. I like the thinking behind that as well. Amy, take us back. Young Amy, where are you originally from? Engagement, introduction to sports. Take it away a little bit. So I grew up about an hour and a half from Pittsburgh in Johnstown. It's uh, It was a steel town. I lived in a house. I had 36 relatives within a three block radius. Oh, wow. It was that kind of neighborhood. And we could, we lived at the, a corner where the opposite corner was a dead end into a playground. Oh, so no, sports I, 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 has always been. I'm going to pause. Yep. So a couple of things that stood out to me. 36 relatives in the neighborhood. So I know- Yeah, you Johnson, couldn't get away with anything. John, I, I, you couldn't get away with anything, but also no one can mess with you or your family members, right? No. <laughs> it was a problem. No. And it was that neighborhood too, it was Moxham. So it was, it was, it had an edge to it. But yeah, our, I went to a parochial grade school and like 80% of the people were my relatives somehow. <laughs> because, so, I, I'm somewhat familiar with Johnstown because playing at Pitt, we used to have our summer camps there. And coming from mm -hmm. Ohio and having my freshman camp there, it was in the middle of nowhere, nothing but woods. It was rainy. I was like, where am I? I don't know if I'm cut out for this. So I was like, Johnstown, I'm like, what is this place? And so it's, it's like you said. No, you, were, you were in the suburbs, man. You were in Richland. That campus is off on its own oh we, okay like, they I call was, it johnstown though okay they refer to it as johnstown yeah 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 so it was like it was outside the city but it's like you know going into the north hills or wherever okay like you're part of dc but you're not part of dc it was kind of like that on a smaller scale got you so we were i lived three blocks from a steel mill like literally passed it on the way to high school um but yeah my mom my mom so I have three sisters. My mom has three sisters. Her mom had four sisters. And like, they're just children everywhere. And we all stayed close. So yeah, you couldn't, you, you couldn't get away with much <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, so, so talk sports. I'm sure you all were competing as a family, but also lo uh, locally as well. So talk about your early um, sports life. Yeah, we started, so the, the house that I lived in, we were like the opposite end of the block dead ended into this playground. And at the time, the playgrounds had college kids in the summer times that staffed them. So we would, we had kickball teams, wiffle ball teams, basketball teams, and you'd travel all through the city, wherever we could walk and play. I mean, I learned to play soccer. <laughs> it was an asphalt court well a parking lot surrounded by chain link fence with boys I mean because it was almost all boys in our neighborhood so that was the other thing I had one cousin until my little sisters came along one cousin was a girl everyone else was boys so if we wanted to play we really had to play but it was everything kick the can like we played all the wow, time kick the can I haven't heard that one in a while yeah <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm old <laughs> <laughs> So, so what other interests did you have growing up besides sports? Were you into singing, dancing, writing? No. It was really <laughs> it was sports? All sports. It was all sports. But I mean, I did a lot of community service work. Part of it was because that's what we had. Like, we had a requirement at school. Um, 
So I was really involved in different community efforts. I've been involved in politics since I was young. I'm, I've been mouthy since I was young. So I've always had strong opinions. But it was, I mean, by the time I got out at like, we moved when I was 12. So it was a different playground. Now you're playing with the big boys and basketball. Like it was, it was a lot of sports. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> so you, you mentioned being involved with politics. So I have to fast yeah. forward in your journey, your story, because you experienced something that people <laughs> would give so much for this opportunity. Tell yeah. you, I, I can tell the way that you're smiling from ear to ear. You know exactly <laughs> what I'm speaking about. So I'm going to hand the mic to you. What am I speaking about? President Barack Obama gave me a FaceTime call a few months back. Um, to thank me for some of the advocacy work that I've been doing over a number of years. Like out of the blue, I thought I was just chatting. I do these chats every once in a while with random people and random panels, and I was ready for that. <laughs> and he's, Amy! Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I've, read co I've read the comments on the video online, and people were like, She's lying. She's all dressed up. She couldn't have been. I'm like, first of all, I can't act that well. <laughs> like, it was the most. Yeah. And he, we talked for a good half hour or so about all wow. kinds of stuff. I didn't know it was that long. We talked about that. We talked about Duke basketball. Well, no, because they, they edited it down. But like, he and I talked about, yeah, we talked about Duke basketball for a while. Wow. Wow. So we're going to speak to why you all spoke about do bas basketball, but take you back to Johnstown. So did you play organized sports? Did you end up playing in um, high school? If so, what sports? Yeah. So, I mean, in grade school, it was soccer. It, we called it field ball because there's only six people. And then basketball. And then high school was basketball and volleyball. Um, made like small conference teams, second team all state, first team for volleyball. And then I walked on at Penn for volleyball. It was the first walk on I ever took. And I lasted probably a semester or so and decided that just wasn't, it dominated my life. Like that's what it does. And I didn't want, at that point, I loved the competition. I loved the people, but I really wanted to explore other things as well. So I ended up playing, I've ended up playing clubs, which I played club until I was, I don't know probably until after Laura was born. So it's oh, been wow. part of my life. Yeah. What's your, what's your favorite position to play? Um, I was a power forward in basketball, and I was a middle hitter in volleyball. Yeah, volleyball. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going into. Yeah, okay, middle hitter. Nice, nice. Yeah. So what did Laura play, your daughter? So Laura, same deal. She played um, basketball and volleyball and then had her, like, she was getting recruited and had a really significant injury before her senior year. So she decided to play club. So she's playing club. Like they just, I didn't know club teams now have national championships and stuff. So oh, she great. just, her team took first in their division or something this past year. Um, and I think that's what my son's going to do too. Like he's more interested in club than playing varsity ball at a school. He'll be, he's a senior this year. That's awesome. Yes, Sam's a senior. Um, he is um, uh, plays basketball and volleyball uh, there, there mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh. And uh, and so you mentioned Laura. Shout out to Laura because 
Laura, she was one of the people that would meet with me in the Cathedral of Learning uh, when she was uh, shadowing slash interning. And uh, it was the early stages of developing a podcast. So she actually named the yeah. podcast Inside the Play Call with Orange Arrow. So shout out to Laura. Wow. Wow. That was some years ago, too, now. So that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. She's in London right now. She's loving life. Yeah. She's doing a semester in London and traveling by herself all over Europe. So beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And so you went to Penn for undergrad. Went to Penn for undergrad, which was interesting coming from Johnstown. My dad had done, uh, he went to college at night, but nobody else had gone to college. And he went to, you know, night school at UPJ. So nobody knew what college was about. I did a summer program at Penn between junior and senior year and loved like I always tell the kids, I would walk down the middle campus, you'd hear seven languages, and mm. it was just such a cool experience and environment. So that's why I wanted to go undergrad, and it just opened up the whole world. I mean, coming from Johnstown to a school like that in Philadelphia, like it just gave me so many opportunities and experiences that I wouldn't have had. Plus, living in an urban environment like that was just, I mean, I was sort of in an urban environment growing up, but this was a whole different kind of urban. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Now, now, so are you a Pittsburgh Steelers fan? Oh God, yeah, yeah. So, so oh, how was life. that? How was that being in uh, Philly and the Eagles? Like, did you rep the Steelers like that, or do you kind of, you kind of, kind of kept Always. up under the radar? Or you did? Okay, it didn't matter. Oh no, I mean, no, it didn't matter. And and there's a, there's Steelers fans everywhere, like. Who's gonna outmouth the Steelers? Yeah, the, the Eagles don't. You know, they they have a rep, but nothing like. I mean, even now, my husband and I'll travel. We've been to Steelers bars in Germany and Italy wow. and in Ireland. Like they're everywhere. So, yeah, they're not they're not kidding about Steelers Nation. <laughs> no, they're definitely not. They are not. And so, do you have a favorite Steeler? Ah. Uh, or one or two of them? That, who, a, who comes to mind? I'm Jack. Well, back in, I mean, Jack Lambert is the end all be all for me. Okay. You know, um, my, my mom went to high school with Jack Ham. So there's that. She, he was in her class. Um, now I'm waiting for Pickens and Pickett. Like the two of them together are going to be yeah. fucking special. So. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Shout out to Kenny, H2P, mm-hmm. Pitt family right there. Um, so. Right. After Penn, what was next for you? So I, when I went to Penn, I thought I was going to work. My dad, you know, being in the mills, I was, uh, I wanted to work on unions, with unions. But that is not what my undergraduate school thought. So I ended up doing healthcare stuff. I had some professors that said, you know, if you care about workers, it's healthcare is going to be the, the issue. So I started, I worked for doctor's offices. I worked for some insurance companies. And then my husband and I went back, um, we went to Duke for grad school. So I did two degrees at the same time. I did a master's in business and I did a master's in public policy at Duke, both still studying healthcare. And then when we were done there, we came back to Pittsburgh because we wanted to start a family closer to family. Um, So I've been basically, I think other than delivering newspapers and for, Five years, I was executive director of a small nonprofit. <laughs> you and I talk about it a lot. Definitely. Um, every job I've had has been in healthcare. Mm. So and now I'm at Pitt. And now I'm at Pitt. Yeah, we're gonna get to Pitt. I'm taking you back to Duke, though. You talked about 
President Obama speaking basketball. So how was the basketball team when you were at Duke? Who was who were some of the members? Oh man, that was Shane Battier's era. Oh, like, that's strong. <laughs> it was that, strong it era. Was that yeah. set of team. So we I mean, and the crazy thing, like you'll see on TV, they'll talk about the undergrads camp out for every game. Grad students, you had to camp out for a weekend, like three days, 24-7 to get a lottery ticket to get to try to get a book, you know, get a um, season pass. Mm. So you go in with a group of friends and then you split the book. Sadly, my husband won the book the first year, but didn't win the Carolina ticket. (laughs) (laughs) The second year we didn't win. But I mean, you would go like... In, in an arena like that I've never and it before I went to Duke I wasn't a big fan of Duke I just because I, I mean some of the older teams I just wasn't a fan of some of the players but you get in that atmosphere and the students are on the floor all the grad students are behind one of the baskets there's no air conditioning so you're dying hot mm, and, you know December wow. but yes yeah, I mean it's just it's fabulous like that place just rocks yeah. I've actually the, taken Jeff there. I took him there to to a pen game. <laughs> but then he took our son there not long ago to see um Coach K before he retired. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. That was a really nice ceremony for his I don't know if it was last game, but what it was towards one of his last game, I think right before the tournament. Um I mean they love Coach K there, and they right? lost. They did lose yeah. that game. And they lost. They lost that game. They lost the ACC. Yeah, they didn't have a good end of season. But, but yeah, I mean, he's such an influence on campus and his wife. I mean, they just have done so much, plus for the community. Right. I mean, they're really involved. So that they're, I'm very impressed with them. Have, did, you, did you ever see him on campus? I actually saw him um, to the school. One of the schools that I went to at Duke was named for a senator. Terry Sanford, and when Senator Sanford passed away, I went to his funeral, and Coach K was in the in the same pew as I was, mm. and it like freaked me out because he looks short on television, but he's not. <laughs> he is not a short human being, so it's just weird to like look up at a guy that you think is <laughs> yeah so much smaller because he's standing next to guys that are six eight six nine all the time. That's true, and it's interesting because. You're not short. And so if you're looking up, because how tall are you? Exactly. I'm about 5'11". Yeah. 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 I think you might be shortchanging yourself a little bit there. Yeah. (laughs) No, no. My kid and my family, now I'm the shortest one in the family. So I hear about it all the time. Oh, Lord. Laura's probably a good, yeah. Laura's probably a half, I I tell her she's not, but she's probably a quarter (laughs) or half inch taller my husband's six five. My son's about six five. So, yeah, we're not we're not small people. Yeah, y'all need. Well, actually, maybe I could be the point guard, and we could get we could go run five somewhere, right? <laughs> I'll be the shortest out of the bunch. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And so you are at Pitt, and in a month or so, I'm gonna start calling. Well, I'm starting it now, actually, but I'm gonna be, officially be Doctor Amy, Doctor Rasilovich. Doctor, maybe I call you Doctor Ar. I got to figure it out what fits for me. Okay, but, all right. But 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 tell us tell us now what um what your focus on here at Pitt. So I, I I'm actually going to back you up a little bit. So I've been in healthcare forever, and I you know I had a it, my career was good. 
Like I was half time home with the kids and jobs for good people, but it wasn't like a passion for me. And then in 2017, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and it was really, really early. And I was really lucky they caught it. They treated it and it's gone. But I was realizing at the time, no matter how, you know, insignificant cancer is, it's still cancer. So it sort of stops you dead in your tracks and you do what you want to do in life and realize that no, like I wanted to do more things that would impact communities in need um, and, and try to make healthcare more accessible for people. So I went back to Pitt in the public health school and the degrees in health service research and policy, which is a mouthful. But I'm basically looking at racial differences um, in how people use healthcare. So my dissertation is focused on black children and white children and who goes to um, well child preventive visits more often white children do and why could that be? You know, what 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 factors impact parents' decision making and how, you know, how easy or how difficult it is, is it to get appointments, to go to appointments, and then I interviewed parents as well to hear about their experiences. So it's been really really um tough but i've loved every minute every minute of this program are you able to share some of the things that you learned through your research yeah i mean the research it's interesting um if you look at maps like now there's you can go back to like the 1930s and 40s when the government started to segregate areas where people lived Right, and we talk about systemic racism and what does that mean? Well, in the 30s and 40s, the government went in and they would grade neighborhoods to see who, which neighborhoods would get money, right? Who would get investments, who could get mortgages, and all white neighborhoods were, you know, desirable, and black neighborhoods were generally hazardous. Right so right. through history, and black people couldn't get, um, they couldn't get mortgages, they couldn't get business loans. When the government wanted to put in, you know, a freeway or, or knock down something for a stadium, it was in those neighborhoods. And by and large, through time, those are still the neighborhoods where the majority of Black people live. They just, for a lot of reasons, didn't move out, but they also don't, don't have the same level of wealth. So you can see systemic racism, whether or not people want to actually look at it in the face, exists because, you know, I'm able to my grandfather could get a mortgage. So my parents had an easier time getting a mortgage. So I could get a mortgage. Whereas a lot of people who grew up in things that became these projects, they can't get a mortgage. They can't get, they can't get credit. And that carries to every aspect of life. And, you know, Pittsburgh is one of the most segregated cities actually in the country. They say in the world, um, race-wise. And so that in my research, I'm finding, you know, Black people tend not to have cars. They live in cities. They can't get to appointments. Parents talk about, you know, they've never left their neighborhood. They've never had different doctors or different insurance plans. It's harder to get jobs. It's, so it's something in addition to sort of learning the school stuff that I'm learning, it's learning about a whole way of life that I had no idea about. I mean, I grew up as a white person and you think that that's the way everybody grew up. And it's just a, it's a different insight and people have been so patient 
And so understanding with me as I've sort of tripped over learning history and learning what that means in, in people's day-to-day lives. Um, and now I'm very committed to trying to make a difference to try to, to at least get some, rid of some of those systemic problems. Um, so people get their, you know, get their dignity back, get their health back, get their opportunities back. That was That's wonderful. Down. That's wonderful. That's uh, important work and needed work. And thank you for being part of the uh, solution and that and that part of the problem. Um, being part of being part of the solution is definitely what you have been as it relates to Orange Arrow. And you know our mission Appreciate is to coach that. student athletes to aim for success off the field, off the track, out of the pool, wherever the playing arena may be. You started off as a you know from a volunteer uh, sitting sitting in one of our presentations. Of, of some of the work we've we've done through strategic work to becoming a board member, uh, you volunteer your 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 time, uh, you give your money, your entire family supports. Why are you involved, and why do you support the work of Orange Arrow? I think because I know how important sports had been has always been in my life and all the lessons. So sports, I think there's so much good in participating in sports, but also seeing, you know, what, what my experience was off the court, you know, this isn't what I want my life to be. Or watching my daughter who, you know, had a catastrophic injury, trying to piece together, okay, now what am I going to do? And listen, you know, my son with, he's been an athlete, like his primary identity, he says, has been an athlete his whole, you know, 17 years. And he wants to see what else there is. And without those other skills, like there's a whole other world that, that people need to learn about in order, because like you said, it's a game. I mean, to me, life is a game. You have to learn the rules. You have to learn, you know, how to succeed just as you do in sports. So I think that, that perspective of Orange Arrow, I also think the opportunity for these kids to meet people who they wouldn't meet in their normal, you know, in school or in their neighborhoods across race lines, across economic lines, even across gender lines, like you're so much more prepared for life. Plus you really, really understand people and you become part of the solution, right? You see that you have stuff in common, you start to realize what the differences are and, and ways to change if, you know, if they need to be changed, but those conversations and that experience in and of itself, and you get that somewhat in sports. I mean, right. Like, they say that the locker rooms are probably some of the most integrated places, but at the same time, spending time outside of sports, outside of school with somebody that you actually get to know and be friends with. I think that's hugely important. And I'm so impressed that that's part of what Orange Arrow does. And the kids, I mean, kids don't know, right? They're just, they're kids. So, but once you grow up looking at, you know, spending time with people who don't look like you, don't sound like you, don't live like you, your impression of the world is just completely different. Like you've just opened your eyes to a whole new world of possibilities. Um, and I think that that's really important too. That's awesome. I've and for the our- college athletes, for them to realize that they have skills off the court. Like, I really think it's important to see that they have these, you know, they're not just a quarterback. They're not just a, a pitcher or whatever. Right, right. They have all these other abilities and what they've learned in sports can be applied in so many ways in life. So that's why I've been, you can't get rid of me. <laughs> no desire whatsoever. Amy, thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you do. 
Thank you for your time today on your birthday. Appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Looking forward to catch up soon. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Be well.